Welcome to the She Did It Her Way podcast, where it's all about making the ultimate leap from your nine to five and building a business and life you love, all while doing it your way. I'm your host, Amanda Bolin. Let's get started. Hey there, friend. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I just want to share with you that there are a few moments throughout today's interview where the internet connection drops, but it's only a few times, and I simply just wanted to give you a heads up. I cannot wait for you to tune in to today's episode with Shauna Van Bogart. Hello, my beautiful She Did It Her Way listener. We are back today with another fantastic episode with someone who has been on the She Did It Her Way podcast previously, so it's an honor to have her back. She's also spoken at some of the She Did It Her Way summits because she is that amazing, and I am so excited to be sitting down with her today because her journey and her story has definitely changed over the past few years, and I wanted to bring her on today to share some of the things that she's been working um, with small business owners on that I know you guys are going to get so much out of. So Shauna Van Bogart, welcome back to the She Did It Her Way podcast. Thank you. You know, I'm always excited to be here. I know it is absolutely so fun. And just to kind of catch people up to speed a little bit about our relationship and how we first met, um, it was really fun. We actually never met in person in undergrad. I think you had graduated when I had first come in, right? Uh, so I was 2006. You were 2006. Okay. Yeah. And then I came in, you graduated 2006. I came in in 2006. So we kind of just missed each other, but we were both in the entrepreneurial program at university of Iowa and we got connected via the alumni. And I remember being in Columbia, South Carolina for an AT&T project and Charleston's what an hour, hour and a half uh, away. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, Sean, I'm in your state. We've never met in person. We've only talked on the phone. Let's hang out and drove the round trip uh, during the evening. And it's been such a, a beautiful and blessing relationship ever since then. So it's so great to have you back on the show with us today. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm excited for this chat. Yeah. And I know like in the years that we've known each other, which has been probably like five plus years at this point. It's been amazing and a beautiful thing to see your business evolve and adapt, but also see you evolve, change, and sort of come through this rebirth and how you're helping small business owners. So before we dive in and talking about what it is that you do today, actually, let me back up. Share what it is that you do today and then give us the high level um, version, sort of this timeline of what you really started out as. And then that'll lead us up to what we're going to talk about today, which is this achievement addiction and always wanting more and achieving more and then breaking that down. Does that sound, is that good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think awesome. I caught all that. <laughs> so. Perfect. And, and I know like from, it always helps me from a timeline standpoint. So as a listener, I love uh, I also love that too. So it's good. I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So what I do right now is exclusively work with business owners to, I mean, in its most general sense, help them get what they want. Um, and that's the business I've really been in for over a decade is helping people get the things they want. Business owners are usually looking for more money, more time, or more energy. So I kind of have a really um, beautiful hybrid approach of mindset and performance coaching and the strategy, just because I've been a small business owner for going on 13 years. 
Um, so when clients come to me first and foremost, I'm doing a lot of transformation work. It's number one transformation work and identity work, deep mindset work on some of the, you know, kind of core levels that you could get at. And then we layer the strategy on top of that secondary. So it ties in really nicely with my journey because when I came into self-employment at the age of 21, 22, I came in as an image consultant and I was essentially doing the same thing. The formula is pretty much the same. I'm just doing it in, in, a, in a different level of depth now. And so when I came in um, in 2007, I was working with individuals with their appearance, their body language, their communication, and showing them how to use those tools to get what they wanted, whether that was a promotion or it was a newly divorced uh, single gentleman who had no idea how to dress himself, you know, and he's back on the dating scene, or it was a small business owner. And the more that I worked with small business owners, the more I really kind of uh, knew for myself over the years that this was the market that I felt most inspired by, I felt most challenged by, and it allowed me to work with them in ways that um, kind of went beyond the appearance side of things, which for me was just not deep enough. So mm -hmm. I started there. And frankly, you know, when clients would come to me for image consultations, what I say to my audience is two people, I give them the exact same things. One would get results from other. So was the difference between those two? Um, and obviously you have to match side with the inside. So, you know, I can make people look great and I can tell them how to polish up their body language, but how come one person succeeds and create sustainable results and the other wouldn't? And obviously the internal plays a huge part of that. So part of my just natural evolution in working with people was to take that deeper and deeper so that I could really help and provide impact to people on not only the external side of things, but the internal side, which I would argue is almost most important. So then Shauna, with your, your journey, you've, you know, I know that you went on to create this image consulting certification. You partnered up with your now business partner with that program and you kind of ran that digital side and you have that, but then there's really this sort of pivot into taking your coaching full time and sort of letting go of the image consulting piece of it in the sense that it wasn't sort of your full-time focus. And then through that, I know oftentimes as we're going through transitions that we can sometimes feel loss in the moment, but then looking back, we can really see how all the, the dots have been connected. So what was it like for you? Mm -hmm. and, and I love that because it is so true. And I think that's part of the value that I bring to the table is to be able to say to people after 13 years, like the dots will connect, you know, you have to have that trust factor at play. <clears throat> and I think what, what is so interesting about it for me is that in the beginning, I was in the right place. I was working with people one-on-one. -on -one. That's essentially what I circled back around to. In between, I sort of free-range chickened around to all these <laughs> other places, you know, group programs and digital programs, and you know, created this massive online uh, academy. And it was a lot of sitting behind the computer, which sort of took me away from my zone of genius. Mm. And it, it just constantly felt like I was asking this question and pondering on this roller coaster, you know, over the years, I'd say from year three on, something just feels out of alignment. Like this isn't deep enough. This isn't challenging enough. And it felt like I was burning through things, if that makes sense. Like, like 
you know, the one-on-one client work started to not appeal to me anymore, but it wasn't the one-on-one client work. It was that I, the subject matter wasn't deep enough for me. Like I was meant to go deeper with people and I wasn't allowing myself to do that. So instead of really stepping back to be reflective, I thought, well, I need to hop on this bandwagon because social media was just taking off and mm. digital products were just taking off. So, you know, I sort of went horizontal versus vertical in my mastery. And sure, I learned a lot, a lot about strategy. It's what it's, I mean, it all worked out, but really I ended up returning back to one-on-one work after doing that deep reflection of like, what is it that I'm looking for? And it it just, yeah, I mean, it's, and I think that gets into sort of the achievement addiction is like, I was looking for the next thing to achieve, achieve, achieve. And it took me further and further away from my purpose when I was asking that question. Yeah. So I want to pause there too, because a couple of things, one, um, I want to dive into the fact that you went back to one-on-one work, which sometimes in this online space can be one of those things of like, you hear a lot with people saying, don't do one-on-one coaching, go to the masses, do the scale, do the coursework. So when the rest of what can be presumed as everyone else, quote unquote, is telling you and marketing to not do one-on-one work, you actually went back. And I, that has inspired me so much that, you know, what sometimes we focus so much on, you know, scaling and getting as much money and all this stuff. We focus on those things when reality it's, let's go back to the basics. Let's go back to what lights you up and feels alignment. So that's one thing that I want to dive into. The second thing, and we could go in either order is you have, you had an online magazine called best kept self. So Mm -hmm. that was really another endeavor and it was extremely successful. And you kind of just let, you decided to let that go. And I would love for you to share not only when you, you, you talked about how you pivoted out of image consulting, but also letting something go that had, that was already successful and had massive potential to turn into even this greater sort of online magazine publication and you decided to let it go. So walk us through that. Let's go with that first. And then we'll talk about, cause I want to land on yeah. the achievement addiction piece. Yeah. Well, those questions are perfect. Um, they're very complimentary because so, you know, I created this online Academy. I met my biggest competitor, Sylvie, who is in New York city and we paired together versus competing. We, sort of expanded that online academy in a very big way and went international with it, which was great. And so for me, it seemed like the next obvious, realistic, practical next step was to expand digital offerings in some capacity. I had a lot of success with that. And so it just felt like, okay, you go bigger with that. You know, I was looking at it very linear. So I um, actually started, I kind of stepped back and I was like, okay, you know, that's great to have that academy, but I'm feeling like I'm missing something that's mine, exclusively mine. And what feels, you know, so good to me. So I keep coming back to self-development. I mean, I've been in self-development literally since I was eight years old, when you like go back and hear my real, my, my full story. And so I've always been in this field of self-development. So what can I offer there? And it felt like I needed to do some massive digital program, you know, like a, of course, like a B school, but like self-development wise. So mm-hmm. I have the big image in my mind of the eight week online evergreened program. Um, and I built it all out. I hired coaches. It was a, you know, a big production and it just like sucked the life out of me. 
And um, it, that's kind of around the time that like Best Kept Self came on board because same thing, you know, I had this image consultancy that over the years I had essentially contracted out the client work because I thought that's what you do. That's what you do to scale. That's what you do to grow. And so I had these contractors specializing in various fields of all the image consulting specialties you could have. And it got further away from image consulting and became more of this one-stop shop for transformation. So if you needed a makeup artist, we had it. If you needed a fitness person, we had it. A health coach, we had it. A stylist, we had it. So that was a necessary pivot to rebrand the very original company that I had into Best Kept Self. Like I had to do something with it. Mm. And so that came as a result of, I have all these people and we all have this expertise. We're all in self-care. So what do we want this to be? So then Best Kept Self was born and that was a one-stop shop for self-care and self-transformation that turned in very quickly to this online magazine because yeah. we were publishing so much content and we had contributors all over the world. So that again turned into this big digital offering versus the connection. So here I am set up with these companies and all of it's behind a screen and I'm running companies, but I was completely missing from the picture. Like mm. me personally, I was not connecting with any clients. I was just running businesses. And that's great, but that's just not my zone of genius. Mm -hmm. What was it like then to, because I remember, I mean, we, I, we had started, I mean, we were pretty well, fast friends. And during that time, and I just remember it was, do I keep best, best kept self? Do I keep doing it? Do I not? And you're sort of wavering for the moment, but what was the moment, this, the yeah. straw that broke the camel's back that you were like, I'm done. I'm you know letting what? it ride, ride the sunset. <laughs> Straw that broke the camel's back is we actually got a partnership with a major publication, a major, a, a national magazine. And um, the, the partnership agreement was that we would have to publish some of their content, you know, and vice versa, um, the exposure on their platform, which is huge. And I won't name the publication, but, um, and they, they had sent us like 50 shades of gray was coming out at that moment. And so per our contract, we were to promote 50 shades of gray, but it was obviously tied to some form of product. And it was just, and, and Hey, like I love to 50 shades of gray, like has nothing to do with that, but it was just was so out of alignment for our best kept selfs brand. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing with national publications like that and big national media houses is what it really was. I mean, you got to take what you get. So like you're, 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 you're dealing with advertising around products that you don't have any choice over. And you probably know how that goes, Amanda, like sponsored posts and different things. Like it could be for Walmart or Cheerios or yeah. whatever. And we get and a so lot. Yeah. And a lot of sponsorships will come in and they're willing to pay. And I'm like, this is not aligned with my brand. Like, yeah. yeah. And so it was kind of, I was like, ah, like I was so frustrated because it's almost like I didn't want to sacrifice the integrity of what we stood for. And mm. that was really difficult for me because I had to really ask myself and step back like, okay, Shauna, if you're going to run this platform, which was very successful, you know, then you got to sort of play these games. Like you, you have to play by these rules. Like this is how it goes to make money from a blog. This is how it goes. Like you take what you get and you figure out a way to position it. And you know, yeah, you have some say here and there, but this is how you get paid. And I just, money wasn't that important to me. <laughs> like mm. the money just was not that important to me. I just, I couldn't do it. And so it sort of felt very shallow, um, whether it was or not, that was just my own judgment. And then I just realized like, where's the connection? I mean, mm. I just, it, it felt like I had these, I kept getting bigger and bigger achievements 
You know, I kept hitting these bigger and bigger milestones in my career, yet I felt less and less fulfilled. It was like law of diminishing returns. Mm. And I just, I was so frustrated. I don't know what the, like beyond that, the specific turning point was, but I just was like, I'm not happy. Yeah. So what's the point of achieving all of this if, I, if I'm not looking forward to waking up in the morning when I run my own businesses? Yeah. Like, and I want to just p- quick pause that. there too, that it, even if you're tuning in, I mean, this doesn't just go for business owners. I remember you get to a point in your corporate job where you're like, okay, achievement addiction. Okay. Making a, like a decent amount of money. But then at some point you hit this place that you're like, none mm-hmm. of that matters. Because what matters is, is am I enjoying getting out of bed every day and doing what I love? And is it feeling, you know, you talk about get light, take flight. Like, is it light or is it feel heavy when you mm-hmm. wake up? So I just love that, that piece too. So yeah, please continue on you like sharing just everything that you're like, it's just not worth it. Well, and I think, you know, to your original question of going back to one-on-one work, oh yeah, that felt like. I mean, that wasn't on my radar because at that point and where my mindset was, I was looking at bigger scale, you know, buyouts, different things like that. And so for me, I mean, never, I I would never have considered that. I mean, that would have been a huge step backward. I, I, you know, why would anyone do that? There's no money to be made in one-on-one client work. I was there. I didn't like it. And I sort of threw the baby out with the bathwater, not realizing that it wasn't the one-on-one work I didn't like. Again, it was the subject matter just wasn't in alignment anymore after a few years. I was meant to go deeper with people. The other thing is there is this whole other side to me. And this is kind of the reason that I I felt deeply called to um, produce my own podcast, which is coming out um, April 8th. It's called Just Being, because it kind of takes you along the more detailed ride of this journey, because there was this whole other side to me that was uh, sort of a closeted intuitive And I had these gifts and these very, what people might label as like woo things that my closest friends knew about. Um, Some of them didn't, but I had, you know, my closest friends coming to me, you know, for certain, not intuitive readings per se, but I was always kind of the go-to person for any form of advice. And I always just seemed to know. And I have kind of a a various skill set of different like gifts, uh, symbolic and very prophetic dreams and just the ability to see things and like to, you know, whatever. So, and I think a lot of people listening can kind of resonate with that, that like you may have these gifts, but maybe not realizing that there's a place for that in business. And so mm. there was this whole other side to me that I just kind of stuffed in the back seat and, or frankly in the closet. And I wouldn't even let that come into my business. And so part of me taking a step back to reflect is like, And I had coaches, by the way, who helped me work through this process. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have them. But one of one of my coaches asked me, "What's showing up for you? Like, step outside of the business. Mm. I want you to look at like the like everything in your life. What all is showing up? What do people come to you for? What kinds of questions do you get on a regular basis?" And when I stepped back, I'm like, "Well, I'm kind of the all like always the go to person for nearly every person in my life to get a like." a check your pulse on like a download, <laughs> a download, you know, and I just, I just can see it. I can hear it. I can, I have voices in my head, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm not crazy, you know, now, now I can really own that. So when I step back, I'm like, yeah, there is this whole other side to me. I am very much so neglecting. And I think the reason I was neglecting it is because it came so easy to me. Mm. I mean, it just was, it was easy and, and mm. it just was me. And I was literally just 
being me. And that's what's so interesting when you get into achievement and you get into business is like the first two years were some of the purest years in business because I came in very impact driven. It was so me to go into image consulting. It made all the sense in the world and actually had a very good first two years in business. And then the train got derailed because I got into all of this other like entrepreneurial stuff that actually took me away from me. So the journey actually was me rediscovering who I really am and owning that and saying to myself, these things deserve to have a seat at the business table. So what's ironic about all of this is that the more me I became, the more satisfied I was, way more money was made and is being made. And I have so much like just general fulfillment and energy. Yeah. But I had to really embrace those other excuse me, like I really had to embrace those other components to myself. And that was kind of scary and very vulnerable. Mm. Yeah. And um, what you were saying earlier about your coach who asked you what's showing up, what's showing up. And you realize that you, you know, you being you is the most valuable asset to any of your clients. And I think sometimes including myself, we often forget how valuable we are just by being us. And we oftentimes don't recognize it because we think that just because something comes easy to us, whether it's a tactical skill or a um, maybe, I can't think of the word right now, like strategy, right? But, or maybe it's, you know, you're really good at web design. We think that because we're so good at it and it becomes easy for us that we sometimes think that we have to overcomplicate it in order to make it of value to people. So they'll purchase our offerings and services when the truth is, is that when we really show up as who we are and in the you know zone of genius and that sweet spot, it's, it's magic. And it's that journey that it takes to get there and to have the courage to almost ignore. And I know that you had talked about this months ago. I think it was on Instagram about, you know, there's so much content out there that you actually have to discern what you're allowing into your sphere of influence mm-hmm. and what you're going to ignore. And I recently signed up for a coaching program. It's a 12 month coaching program. And I'm like, this is really great because one, this is the only thing that I'm going to focus on the next 12 months and I can ignore, I'm giving myself permission to ignore everything else. But going back to your original thing about just leaning into who you are, there's freedom in that. There's so much freedom in that. And, you know, I think you and I have talked about this on some level and your, your audience will probably resonate with this. But the number one thing that I say to the clients who come to see me is that, your zone of genius is there. It includes obviously you being the most uh, you that you can possibly be. And you're not owning these things because yes, they come easy to you. But the irony is actually you're a master and you don't even know it. And I think that people have a tendency to kind of pull themselves back mm-hmm. and you know put, pull themselves back and then all these sabotaging excuses of, well, I don't have this, 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 this. When the irony is, no, you don't need those things. You sort of like, like, like uh, hopped over all those things because y- you that, that's why you excel at it. And I think there's just innate gifts that um, are born into us. So for example, you know, I don't have a specific coaching certification. I have many credentials and um, obviously a lot of experience in education, but I don't, I didn't take that formal route, but it's because it became, it was so innate to me, you know? And so mm. it's like, I almost, Um, I've always had that, but I couldn't see that. Like it took many coaches, many, you know, kind of shaking me by the shoulders to be like, Shauna, when are you going to see how good you are? And I Mm. say that 
you know, not to, I hope that doesn't sound like I'm bragging or anything because no. I say the same thing to my clients. I want to shake them by the shoulders and I'm like, you don't see where you're at. You don't see the level of mastery that you have. And so what you do is you continue to bring yourself backwards and achieve things that are unnecessary at this point. Like you, 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 we need people outside of ourselves to really point out where we're really at. And I know I've hit you up for reflection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Amanda, like, can you please describe? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, really? You know, like, that's where I'm at. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and vice versa too. I mean, here's the other thing too. Like I've hired Shauna before. And I think I always love sharing that because even when people, even when you're friends and then your business colleagues, like there's still that opportunity to learn from your, your peers. And I love it. And it's just been a beautiful relationship. And I'm so grateful to have that to where we can have these honest conversations with each other and be like, Shauna, like, yeah. this is what you're doing. This is how I perceive you. This is the experience I got from working with you, blah, 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 and all that. And so it's just, it's, it's so, it's and it's, it's so valuable. You know, I think when you look at how people position themselves against others, and this is a really important conversation as it relates to achievement, everything we're talking about, because you're scrolling on Instagram, you're checking out people's business pages. We all do this. We all make comparisons. The tendency predominantly for women is to put themselves in a one down position. And so we tend to look around and think that we're less than. And that's what we really need to work on. And I don't know how you do that work in isolation because you can't see yourself clearly, obviously, because mm. we're putting ourselves by default in a one down position. And so for me, it, it's, it's not about, it's not even necessarily about this linear growing forward. It's a growing into yourself. And I mm. think that's really important to discern for people is at some point in your career, after the first few years of being in business, where you can really take the training wheels off and you don't need to be looking at how everyone else is doing things, you've got to understand that your most creative, inspired, impactful, profitable work is going to come from inside of you. It, I've never not seen it that way. And the only way that you can get those beautiful answers and sparks of inspiration from inside of you is, as you mentioned earlier, sort of filter out that noise, stop being externally referenced, stop comparing yourself, go inward, do that deep self-reflective work to see where do you really like strive and thrive? Where is your zone of genius? And to step into it versus constantly looking outward and go, okay, I need to strive for that. Because if I would have stepped back and if I would have been like, okay, if I'm going to return to coaching, then I'm going to go get the formal coaching. I mean, that would have been such an unnecessary waste of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's true. Like instead of, and that's something that I've worked on in the past too, where, I mean, it's so easy when you see the way that people are doing other things and it's like this reaction mode versus quieting yourself and listening and taking mm -hmm. steps because they are inspired action from within and not being a like ultimate reaction externally. It comes from the internal. Um, tell us a little bit more. So talk to us about achievement addiction and how high achieving through the shadow side comes out. And, you know, I know for you, you had found this, you know, timeline in your experience about you were out of touch with your emotions. So then how do you coach your clients to come back in touch with their emotions through the dismantling of this whole high achieving facade? Mm -hmm. One is a question of how can I provide impact? How can I be of service? And one is a question of um, what do I need to do? 
what, what should I achieve? One is coming from a place of thinking you need something to prove something mm. and they're, they're very close. So it's, it's a hard thing to discern sometimes, but it's like, let me give a very clear example. When I first came into self-employment as an image consultant, I was asking the question, how can I serve? I have these gifts. I was very clear on in the beginning and I wanted to put all those ingredients into something and have this beautiful cake produced. Right. And so I was looking for how a a container to put all these ingredients in and I found it and it was image consulting and it was perfect. And so I was coming from, from a very impact driven, how can I be a best service by looking at my gifts? It was kind of a selfish approach when you think about it and it worked. The Mm. problem then though, was after a few years, I got less and less, it's a chipping away effect of how can I be of service? Because I I stopped looking at myself and I started looking at what everyone else was doing. And the more I looked at what everyone else was doing, I was like, ooh, social media, ooh, digital products, ooh, eBooks, all of this stuff. And um, thought that I need to mimic all of this. And so it's very, when I look back, it's a very obvious, you can see how I got far and far and far enough away from myself. And then just so concerned around what all my competitors were doing. Mm. So then that became more about, okay, what next milestone do I need to hit to keep up with the Joneses, right? Like, what, what do I need to do? What's going to make me look good? And so it was, you know, chasing after all the awards and all the exposure and building little products. And that was more of a question of me needing to prove something because mm-hmm. the more I looked around, as we talked about earlier, the more I compared, the more I felt less than. So then it drove this need to achieve on bigger and bigger and bigger levels. Obviously that's not a long-term pathway to success. That's going to have a very short fuse. Did I get things? Of course I did. Did I hit six figures in business? I did. So like, yes, you can get things by being motivated in that way, but there's always a ceiling to it and you will ceiling out. So obviously when I started achieving more and more, it's like an addiction where, okay, that achievement wasn't fulfilling anymore. So let's do something even more risky. Let's do something bigger. Let's Mm. do something um, on a whole other level because I, I, I mean, I wasn't getting the same satisfaction But as I said before, it just became less and less fulfilling. And it was really just hitting that wall over and over and over and realizing how miserable I was. And obviously so much more played out, which you can hear in the podcast, but that I just had to step back and be like, I'm not happy. And I had to raise my hand to do that. But prior to that, I wasn't even allowing myself to look at anything that was deemed a negative emotion. Because when when you look at achievement, it's a very masculine quality. Um, when we look at it kind of in the traditional way, you know, it's hustle, it's grind, it's scale, it's, you know, digital and tech and, you know, whatever. So I was looking at it from, uh, that capacity and there was no room for emotions or my feelings. Well, so so can I ask you a question too, really quick and, um, getting to that place, right. In being in the masculine, was there sort of, did you have any fear of, letting that masculine identity side of you go and because fear of like, I don't know what else there is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of a BS, uh, fear. Right. Right. And I said that I said, like, I don't know, I don't know any other way. I don't know any other way except to achieve. I don't know any other way except to have these structures and plans and, you know, everything was very systemized and, frankly, like everything was very systemized because I didn't know what else to do because I was lost. 
you know? And so to be honest, and if I'm being honest with myself, I can look back and I can see where I was just keeping myself busy mm. so that I can at least look around and tell people, see, I'm doing something. See, I'm like, you know, it was, it's this, it's very much this feeling of playing business not being in business. And so I can see where I really leaned on my ability to learn and achieve and educate myself on all of these things and digital marketing and digital products. And that's great. But purely that was just education, you know, and I was leaning on it as like, well, this is how I'm going to get to the top kind of thing. And so to kind of say like, I have to literally dismantle everything I think is true and let this go, which is not true. You don't let it go. But, um, I don't know what else there is, but that wasn't true because what else there is was always there. I just had put it in the back seat, mm. and, I, and my entire perspective was completely messed up. So I, I needed help from outside of me to kind of reframe my perspective to be like, Shauna, you have all the ingredients still. You just, yeah. you're looking at it wrong. Yeah. And like just removing that, that veil or that cover that's keeping us from giving ourselves permission to sort of let it go and not be so close to what it is that we're experiencing. Or even one of the things that when you're explaining the masculine side, I know for me, there is a, there is a period of time, like I had self-identified with being super systematized, being super disciplined, being super organized and always filling my plate and always having something and like being busy. And it was actually the growth was where I decided to give myself space and not be busy and learn to be okay with not always running around or not always having something to do. And that can be scary because it's releasing this sort of identity that maybe you've held on to. And I'm sharing this for listeners that if you are self-identifying with a certain um, identity, especially in the corporate world, we've I've done a podcast episode about how to let go of that identity that you have that's attached with corporate in this kind of what Shauna, what you're saying in the, in this achievement and how you may be recognized or the go-to person in your corporate job. And as you transition and you start your own business, like you have to be your own cheerleader and it doesn't usually come from outside external factors. You learn to develop that from within, which is completely different than I think majority of society today, because it is a lot of achievement driven. And if you're not careful, it can be achievement addiction on fumes and nothing really sustainable. It's like a house of cards that you're building. Yeah. Well, and then you just start doing things that are completely outside of your zone because you're just in a, in the habit, the addiction of achieving. Here's what's really key is it's more about confusion that you're looking at this as it's, I'll put it this way. We sabotage when things are easy. Mm. We just, and so achievement addiction very much stems from needing to be hard needing it to be like, to be, and that's different from challenge because I'm still challenged, but what I do now is so easy. It flows because it's so yeah. me, you know? So that was part of it too, is like the, the, where the train got derailed, what was simultaneously happening was it stopped being, um, it, it became so easy that I was like, well, I need it to be harder. Mm. I need, and, and I wasn't struggling <laughs> And there's a lot of stuff culturally and individually from a, from a psyche standpoint, from a subconscious standpoint, wrapped around the narrative that we have to grind and it has to be a struggle in the Cinderella story. There's a lot there that mm -hmm. I unpack with client, almost every single client. So we have to rewire ourselves to focus on ease and achieving through ease and satisfaction through ease 
but we're not built that way, especially in the United States. It's the American dream to have that hustle. So one of the things I had to step back and realize is like, I am making freaking everything so unnecessarily hard for myself. And am I freaking over this? And I went, I'm like, I'm done. I'm so done struggling. Like I'm internally, like I'm so done making things hard. Mm-hmm. And it really, like, I remember you saying that, and I, that was a really big wake up call for me. And I think, you know, now we're recording this interview during the uh, COVID-19. And so a lot of people I'm sure have found themselves at home or in a position where they're at home and they don't really have, um, work kind of keeping them busy. And so it's a little bit, obviously there's that adjustment piece, but it's also feeling like they should be doing something or that they should be grinding it out right now, or kind of like having this space unexpectedly and not knowing what to do with it. And I think if that is you, or even if it's not you in this time, like practice what Sean is saying in the sense that flip the narrative of what, what's showing up and what is, you know, are you grinding it out? And, And the question is, is that, you know, is it even necessary? Is it possible that this could be what it is that you're doing right now? It could be done with ease or is the story that you're telling yourself, no, this has to be hard. It should be hard. Um, that was a really big, like going back, that was a really big challenge. And I share this again, because I know so many people tuning in, this is something that people oftentimes experience is that there's just that, that such identity on, you know, overcoming and, like you said, achieving things that we become addicted to it. And so then in the moment where we actually are trying to be someone different and and step into, I know you say that 2.0 version of yourself, that, that takes practice and that there's imposter syndrome there because it it doesn't feel comfortable right away because you're not used to it. That's not how you typically live your life, but it's deliberate intentional practice every single day. And over time, those tiny actions will lead to big results when you want to shift an identity piece of it. Well, and here's, here's like to add a deeper level framework around that. The, the question that you need to ask around the ease and the hard thing paradigm is what are you trying to prove? Yeah. And that was a question posed to me with, you know, why do I keep upping the ante with all this achievement? What are you trying to prove and to whom are you trying to prove it? And gosh, did that question like knock me on my butt, you know, because I was, all of it was proving energy, all of it, you know, and not, not, you know, in the beginning, it was very much impact energy. And so thank goodness I I had that to reflect on because I know what it should feel like. Cause I remember how I felt those first two years in business. It flowed, things landed in my lap, doors opened. It was amazing. And then it started to feel like pushing the boulder up a hill and it, it, was, it was about stepping into my gifts in the beginning. And then it became about proving something because I kept putting myself in a one down position because as we talked about before, you look outside of yourself and you're comparing and all of the things. Mm. So I had to clean up that whole thing of like, what do I have to prove? And then when I said in the beginning, it really was kind of selfish. That's selfish in an expansive way. When you get into, I'm, I'm now motivated by proving something, whether it's to yourself or, you know, subconsciously your parents or that person who made some comment to you when you were in, you know, 11th grade, whatever it is, like when you, when you look at that and you make that the motivation for your business, that's selfish in a, in a, contract, in a contracted way. Mm-hmm. You know, then you've made your business a container in which to prove sabotaging things. 
and like there's no impact there. So you're using your business to satisfy a subconscious uh, lack. And that, and I, I see that all the time. I want to like tell the audience like that is very, very normal. It's, it's again, deeply ingrained in our culture. I don't want anyone to feel bad about that. It is very, very common. If not like every single client I see has that. And we have to sort of unwind that. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say too, if you wouldn't, cause I know we're kind of wrapping up, getting to a bit of a close, like recap for my audience, it, you, the three step framework or five steps to kind of dismantling and becoming aware of the achievement addiction to get them into a place to start to unwind that? Like, what would uh, you say the steps are? Yeah, good question. I've never put it in that succinct of a framework. Ooh. Got this. Um, and maybe there's, maybe there's like a- Maybe the framework problem. will unveil itself right here, right now. <laughs> the first thing is to ask yourself, how are you feeling when you achieve? I think that's number one. How are you feeling? Not what you're doing, not what results are happening for better or worse. How does it make you feel when you achieve? That's your, that is your measuring stick right there. So if you're feeling kind of deflated or nothing really happened, then essentially you can see, okay, you're putting in all this effort and it's equaling what payoff, not tangibly. I'm saying payoff for you internally. Because when we feel good, we have energy. And the more we feel good, we have energy reserve. And when we have energy reserve, the more we have to inspire those creative ideas with, within us. So the first question is, how do I feel? So let's assume like you're kind of nodding your head along this with this discussion and you're going, yeah, I actually don't feel like I'm missing something. I feel like the more I do, the less like fulfilled I'm getting. Then what I would step back and ask myself is, Okay, actually three questions, three questions on a, on a sheet of paper. Number one, what do I love to do? And I might've shared this with your audience before, but it's a good summary, a good recap. Mm-hmm. What do I love to do? And get into the nitty gritty. So like every aspect of your business and your life, what are the things that you just could spend all day on and it feels like you've had a cup of coffee afterwards? So what are the things that energize you? The second question then is, what are the things that I excel at? Which some of them might be the same as the first, but some of them aren't. And then the third question is sort of, now what is this? Uh, no, actually the third question I would go into is, who do I love to work with? And who mm-hmm. do I love to be around? What are the types of people? What are their personalities? Again, business and outside of your business. And then the fourth question is, what does this all mean? So essentially what you've crafted there is you've shown what do you look you've been reflective about coming back to like, what lights me up? What are my skill sets and my zone of genius that I love to work with? Formula right there. And then contrast that, the next step would be to contrast that with what your business looks like right now. And chances are there's a big gap there. Like what's missing? What do you need to bring more of into your business? And what do you need to step away from? And it could be a massive uh, arm of your company like I did. It could be an entire channel. You know, I have clients that go, you know what? I don't want to be on uh, LinkedIn or Instagram. So don't do it, right? Like step away from it entirely. Uh, At least for right now, everything's temporary. You can come back to it. Um, And then, yeah, I think that's your formula right there to actually tangibly start shifting things around. And then you return back to feelings. Okay, make these little changes. How am I feeling? Do I feel better or worse than the day before? And chances are you're going to feel better, but that's where I would start. Yeah. Well, and I know like you had always shared too, that the get light, take flight. And if you're feeling heavy and you're feeling resistance Mm -hmm. and it's feeling hard and your energy is low, that's probably a really strong indication that something's off. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I would say there are just a certain level, uh, what do we want to call them? Some people call them wounds. Some people call them like core sabotage. Um, there, there are certain things inside all of us that we're going to have to deal with at some point in our life. So it's just a matter of when do you want to deal with it? Um, I recommend sooner than later. There's no waiting. There's no need to be ready. There's no need to prepare. It's not, it's not a question of that. Just how soon do you want to, how fast do you want to keep excelling forward and expanding? So there are just certain things we're going to have to clean up, you know? And for me, the achievement thing, what am I trying to, to prove? I had to clean that up if I was going to hit different different milestones in my business, have bigger revenue, do bigger things. So when you do start to sealing out, realize it's not necessarily that you're doing anything wrong in your business. Most likely it's an internal thing. In fact, I would argue 99% of the time it is an internal thing just because I've seen this way too many times. Mm -hmm. So it would be then reaching out to work with someone on like, what are the sabotaging roadblocks that are in my way that are coming from this subconscious place? And like I said, every single person has them, every single person. Yeah. And see the unconscious competent, we're doing things that we don't even know that we're doing and why we're even doing it. Ugh, and you so, have no idea. And it's, a, it's, it's so annoying. It really is to be like, ah, oh, this like childhood thing happened and it's connected to this. I can't believe mm. it. But you know, most of the stuff, most of these narratives that these, I call them imprints that we're operating from, as I said, they can take you to certain milestones and everyone's set point and ceiling is different. But whenever it caps out, you're going to have to deal with them. And usually they come from the first 10 years of life. Yeah, And so it is, it is tied from childhood things because that's when we're most impressionable. That's where these imprints are, are started. That's right. What is it? Jim Fortin says, like, give me a human for the first seven, eight years of their life and I'll show you what the rest of their entire 60 years look like. It's absolutely true. And that yeah. doesn't mean some sort of trauma. We talk about trauma in my um, master's level class for, for hypnosis, but it's not tra- like we're not saying that everyone uh, had was abused or whatever. It could be as simple as someone said something to you in elementary school and it hit you and you created a judgment, which created an imprint. And that's like a whole other conversation as you know, but you know, so it's, and it's, it can be silly. You could look at it and be like, I cannot believe that that's ruling my life at the age of 35 years old, but it is. And we all have, and it's kind of the beauty of life. It's the beauty of being human. And I, I think it's really interesting to kind of sort through all that stuff. That, that is my innate gift for how I serve my clients. So I I love getting my hands on that stuff because you can, you know, the ROI on doing that kind of work, it's fast and shit, like shifts can happen. Like at the, uh, I mean, on a dime when you get to that stuff, things can accelerate. I mean, it's, uh, you know, if you, you've got a computer, which is the hardware, and then you've got the software operating on that. And if you have old versions of software, it's really hard to move fast on your computer. But once you upgrade that software, it's like things can shift just like, you know, with humans and with us. So this has been absolutely amazing. You have a podcast coming out on the day that this drops. I would love for you to share with my listeners two things, maybe three. One, what's your favorite book of all time that you highly recommend people, my listeners read? And two, where can they find out more information about you and then check out your podcast? Yeah. Favorite book. You know, I've mentioned this. It's probably the book I mentioned before. Um, Busting Loose from the Money Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite in the sense that it, it's going to open your mind. It's kind of out there. It's not one people have typically read and it um, really starts to open you up to a deeper level truth. 
Yep. Um, so Best in Losing Money Game by Robert Scheinfeld's the book. And then you can find me everywhere on the web, Shauna Van Bogart. And then the podcast is Just Being. I would love if everyone um, hopped over to iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast and give it a listen. We talk about achievement addiction to a deeper level. Um, and the first three episodes are live. Yes. Oh, and I've listened to the intro and I was like, dang girl, I almost cried. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. One oh. season, it's only 16 episodes. So one season, um, and we kind of go deeper on all of the stuff we talked about today. I love it. Absolutely amazing. Shauna, thank you so much for being a guest on today on the She Did It Her Way podcast. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head on over to she did it her way podcast.com where you can access the entire vault of She Did It Her Way podcast episodes and more information all about how to make the ultimate leap from your nine to five. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you headed on over to iTunes and left a review, letting me know what you love about the She Did It Her Way podcast. Until next time, keep doing it your way.